0: No Children, No Pets by Marion Holland, Part 5 The next morning, the weather turned hot and sticky. There was no sun. There were no clouds either, just a depressing muggy haze that brought out swarms of little biting insects. Betsy played for a while under the biscuit bush, then she came in, scratching and complaining and hung around indoors underfoot. Finally, Don decided to brave the insects and mow the lawn. It doesn't need it just awfully, he admitted, but it'll be better for croquet if the grass is shorter. And then the croquet players will be so grateful to you that they'll invite you to play, suggested Jane. Something like that, said Don, grinning, and I wouldn't expect a win either. That Mrs. Broom sure swings a mean mallet. They all do. He started the mower and got to work, but before he was halfway through with the side lawn, the motor sputtered and died. Jane went out and watched him doing all the things he had seen Mike do to the mower. He unscrewed this and that and checked the air intake and the spark and the choke and made sure there was gas in the tank. I guess I'll just have to wait till Mike comes, he admitted finally. I hope he comes soon then, said Jane, because it sure looks a lot worse half mowed than it did before. By lunchtime it was hotter and stickier than ever, without even a whisper of a breeze. Betsy was cross and fussy, and the minute she sat down at the table she tipped over her milk. "'Now, where is Victoria?' added Mother, looking at the big puddle of milk on the floor. "'That cat is never round when she might be of some use to us. "'I don't believe I've even seen her today.' "'Neither have I,' said Jane, thinking back. "'Maybe Miss Giddings caught her with feathers in her teeth,' said Don darkly. "'I guess it's goodbye, Victoria.' At this, Betsy began to cry, and Mother frowned and shook her head at Don and changed the subject. After Mother put Betsy in for her nap— Jane and Don hung around a while longer waiting for Mike to show up. He didn't, so they finally went swimming without him. The walk to the beach seemed hotter and longer than usual, and they could hardly wait to plunge into some cool wet water. But when they reached the ocean, it was rough and sullen. Long gray waves were rolling in from the horizon and crashing high up on the beach. What ails it today? asked Jane. I never saw it like this before, and look how high the tide is, almost to the top of the beach. Probably a storm way out at sea, said Don. The breakers were too rough for swimming, but Don and Jane got wet and cool, playing around in the smother of foam that hissed up the sand. The seagulls were noisier than usual, shrieking and crying over the crash of the breaking waves, and several times long lines of pelicans flew overhead, following their leaders back inland. Jane and Don stayed until late afternoon, half expecting Mike to come running across the beach at any minute. By the time they started back, a stiff breeze had sprung up, so they were still cool and damp when they reached town. On the main street, they saw men hammering away at the big wooden shutters over the plate glass shop windows. "'Oh, goody, they're opening up the stores that have been closed for the summer,' exclaimed Jane. "'No, they're not either,' said Don after watching a minute. They're boarding up the ones that were already open. I wonder why. A high truck came around the corner and drove right up on the sidewalk. Its crew of men began unscrewing a big metal sign that said Haberdashery in neon letters. The back of the truck was already stacked with signs from other shops. Don asked one of the men, What's going on? Where have you been, buddy? demanded the man. Big wind coming. Hurricane. It's on the radio. Don and Jane stared at him open-mouthed. There was an old radio with a high-curved top in great-great-uncle John's apartment, but they hardly ever turned it on. It wasn't a very good one, and when they did manage to get the local station or one of the Miami stations, they usually got a program in Spanish from Havana at the same time. They raced for home. The first person they saw was Mike hauling shutters out of the tool shed. Hi, he shouted. Jane, your mother wants you right away. Don, give me a hand with this stuff. Jane ran into the apartment. Mother had great-great-uncle John's radio on full blast. An official voice was saying, Disturbance in the Caribbean, which Navy planes have been watching for the last 48 hours, has picked up speed and headed for the Florida mainland. It is due to hit about halfway between Palm Beach and Miami around 7 o'clock this evening. Hurricane warnings are up along the coast from Key West to Melbourne and as far inland as Lake Okeechobee. Residents of this area are asked to take the usual precautions. "'Goodness! What are the usual precautions?' shouted Jane above the noise of the radio. Mother switched it off. "'Oh, there you are, Jane. Have you seen Betsy anywhere?' "'Why, no. we just got back from the beach, and Bets was asleep when we left.' "'Oh, dear. She's wandered off somewhere. I wasn't paying too much attention, what with this hurricane business and all. Mike came by and offered to help, and I put him to work, and when I went to get Betsy, she was up and gone.' "'I'll go look,' said Jane. "'She never goes far.' "'She combed the grounds thoroughly. "'The biscuit bush was empty except for Betsy's collection of bright-colored trash, "'but Jane looked under all the other bushes, too. "'Sometimes Betsy thought it was funny to sit quietly under a bush "'and listen to people calling her. "'Jane looked on the jungly side of the building and into the tool shed. "'No Betsy. "'Mike and Don were folding up the lawn chairs to put them away, "'and the wind caught the canvas and bellied it out like sails.' Jane went up and down the street asking everybody she saw whether they had noticed a little girl about so high with yellow curls. They all said no, they hadn't. Everybody was busy boarding up windows and taking down awnings and moving in porch furniture. One man was walking around his yard with a long pole knocking all the coconuts off his coconut palms. And everywhere was the sound of hammering as people banged shutters into place over doors and windows. Jane went back to the main street. Maybe Betsy had gone to watch the men on the truck take down the signs. But the truck was gone and so were all the big hanging signs. The street looked strange and bare without them. Jane looked far down the street to where it turned into the road that led to the ocean. Surely Betsy had never tried to walk to the ocean all by herself. Jane remembered the ugly gray waves crashing far up the beach and tumbling back again, sucking sand, shells, and seaweed into the ocean to be pounded to bits by the next wave. A sudden gust of wind came tearing down the empty street, carrying fine, stinging sand and torn newspapers with it. She turned and ran for home so fast it made her throat hurt. If Betsy hadn't turned up yet, she'd find a man, any man with a car, make him drive her out to the ocean and, and... The wind blew her into the front yard, where Don and Mike were hammering a solid wooden storm door into place right over the front door. Professor Quincy was directing the job, shouting loudly above the rattling of the palm fronds. We do this door first, faces southeast. That's where we'll get it first. Ought to have shutters for all the windows on this side, and I told McGregor so, but he knew better. A penny saved is a penny earned, Jane heard Don shout back as she kept on going around to the rear of the building. And there was Betsy, sitting quietly on the back steps. Jane was so glad and so relieved that her knees felt all funny and she sat down suddenly beside Betsy without really meaning to. "'Then she got angry. "'Where have you been?' she asked fiercely. "'Right here,' said Betsy dreamily. "'Visiting.' "'Visiting who?' "'A lady.' "'A nice lady,' Betsy thought a minute and added. "'And she did so say come in.' "'Jane took her by the wrist and hauled her inside. "'Which nice lady?' she demanded. "'Show me the door.' "'Betsy pointed to number four. "'Not Miss Giddings?' asked Jane.' Betsy nodded. "'But Miss Giddings never, never says come in to anybody,' said Jane suspiciously. "'Are you sure?' Again, Betsy nodded. "'She said it to me,' she remarked smugly. Jane couldn't help asking, "'What's it like in her apartment? I mean, is it just like ours?' "'Yes, except, oh!' Betsy clapped her hand over her mouth and looked at Jane with sparkling eyes. "'It's a secret. I promised not to tell.' "'Tell what?' coaxed Jane, but Betsy remained dumb. Jane took her into the apartment and turned her over to Mother, who breathed a sigh of relief. "'Now only Victoria is missing,' said Mother, "'and she's small enough to get in under a house or somewhere out of the storm. "'Let me see candles, flashlights in case the electricity goes off, "'canned goods, extra water, and a supply of mops and sponges in case anything breaks and we have to mop. "'I think we have everything.' Thank goodness the tenants are all hurricane veterans and are taking this in their stride. In fact, practically all of them have been in to reassure me. You might take another look around for Victoria. No, not you, Betsy. You sit right here where I can keep an eye on you. Jane went out again. It was much darker and the gusts of wind were bringing heavy, sudden splatters of rain. Professor Quincy was showing Don and Mike how to nail an enormous piece of plywood onto the back screen door. "'Can't nail this shut like the front door,' he shouted. "'Might have to go in or out. "'That's right, never mind the nail holes. "'Just whammer onto the frame. "'Makes the screen into a storm door. "'If we get the center here, second half will come from this direction.' "'Is this the hurricane now?' shouted Jane. "'No, no, fifty, sixty miles an hour. "'Hardly a full gale yet. "'Wait till she hits a hundred. "'Can't hear yourself talk now. "'In 40 minutes you won't be able to hear yourself think.' unless the whole shebang turns at the last minute and heads back to the sea. He looked disappointed at the very idea. Well, a hurricane made a nice change from the usual quiet life at 303 Oleander Drive, thought Jane. Professor Quincy inspected the finished job and said, Well, that's about it. Keep back from the windows. Not likely to go, though. Panes are too small. It's the big sheets of plate glass that just buckle and bang. "'Remember now, if we get the calm in the middle, don't go running out in it "'and don't step in any puddles with broken wires in them. "'More fools get electrocuted than ever get brained by coconuts. "'Keep the radio on and do what the announcer tells you. "'Happy hurricane!' "'With an amiable wave, he opened the back screen, "'now heavy with the added plywood, and disappeared into the building. "'What about the tool shed?' asked Mike suddenly. "'If the door blows in, the roof will go.' The rain was coming in earnest now, gray, blinding sheets of it that rattled like bullets on the side of the building. But Mike and Don ran out to nail up the tool shed door. Jane fought her way around the grounds once more, shrieking, Kitty! Kitty! above the roar of the wind and the rattling of the palm fronds. She was soaked to the skin when she joined the boys at the back door. Wow, was that work, exclaimed Don, and am I hungry, I could eat a horse. They all crowded, dripping into number five. "'Why, Mike,' cried Mother in dismay, "'I had no idea you were still here. "'You cut along for home now just as fast as you can make it. "'Your parents will be simply frantic.' "'Mike looked at her and then down at the puddle at his feet. "'I'd i like to stay here if I could,' he mumbled. "'Why, you're welcome to stay here, Mike. "'You know that,' said Mother warmly. "'But you'll absolutely have to phone home and say where you are "'quick before the telephone lines blow down somewhere.' Mike continued to study the floor at his feet. I haven't got any phone, he said in a low voice. In fact, I haven't got any home either. But Mike, said Mother reasonably, you must live somewhere. Mike raised his eyes and looked at Mother. Well, no, I don't. I mean, I live here as much as I live anywhere. As Mother continued to look at him in bewilderment, he blurted out, I've been sleeping in your tool shed and eating coconuts except for what I ate here. There was a moment's complete silence. Then Mother said in a matter-of-fact voice, Jane, change into dry things as fast as you can and help me get supper started. Don, take Mike across the hall and the two of you get really dry. Lend Mike some clothes. We're all tired and half-starved and the very first thing to do is to eat a good big meal. At supper, Jane and Don tried hard to act just as usual, with the result that Jane chattered steadily about nothing at all, and they both laughed too much about things that weren't at all funny. But Betsy just stared silently at Mike all through the meal. When Mother took her off to bed, she stopped in the doorway and asked, Don't you have any, Mother Mike? Not any at all? Not any at all, answered Mike. Oh, boy, then you can stay up all night, exclaimed Betsy enviously. Everybody roared with laughter, even Mother, even Mike. Yes, I can, he admitted, but it isn't much fun. Jane washed the dishes and Don and Mike dried. Outside, the wind howled steadily and the rain lashed the windows and solid sheets. The official voice on the radio droned on. All Red Cross emergency crews who have not already done so are asked to report to their post. Citizens will please cooperate by remaining indoors and off the streets. Police will enforce this regulation. Mother reached over and snapped off the radio. Do you want to tell us about it, Mike? she asked gently. Mike clasped and unclasped his hands in his lap and kept his eyes on them. He began very slowly, and Jane got the idea that he was sorting things over in his head, deciding what to say and what not to say. Well, uh, I've been going to this school in Pennsylvania, the industrial Home School. it's called. It isn't a reform school or anything like that, he assured them. It's just a school that boys live at that haven't got any place else to live. Anyway, it isn't so bad. We do all sorts of shop work, and there's a farm along with it, and we work on that, too, and the teachers are tough, but fair. There's a good ball field and a swimming pool, and I did pass my junior life-saving last year, he added, looking at Mother. Well, in the summers, the school closes for a couple of months, and most of the kids go off and live around with different families. I think the county pays them board money for us. Well, this summer... I got a really mean family to live with. Jane looked at Mother and Dawn and thought of Betsy asleep in the next room and tried to imagine what it would be like to be dumped down on a strange family, but she couldn't. Mike went on. They lived out of town a ways and had five or six acres of truck garden and a boy about my age. The man was pretty strict and I sure had to work my head off, but he made his own boy work just as hard, so I didn't mind. But his wife? I don't know hardly how to explain it, he burst out. She was just after me, all the time, whatever I did or didn't do. It got so I was almost afraid to breathe for fear she'd bawl me out for using too much air. She watched every mouthful I ate like it almost killed her to waste the food on me. And she kept telling Joey, that was the boy, to keep away from me so he wouldn't pick up bad habits. Well... It was only for the summer and I thought I could stick it out but after about a month of it I just quit. I took a couple of dollars I'd been saving up and said I was going to spray lima beans in a field right beside the highway. I got a hitch into town right away and I knew nobody'd miss me till supper time and by supper time I was somewhere down in Maryland and heading south. I'm surprised that drivers would pick up a boy your age and take you so far, said Mother. Where in the world did they think you were going? Well, I always thought up something to tell them, said Mike, squirming uncomfortably. Maybe it wasn't always exactly true, but it wasn't really lies either. I never asked for long hitches because somebody might get the idea I was running away and notify the police. What I'd do, I'd find out the name of the next big town twenty, thirty miles up the road, and then I'd ask for a ride that far, like I lived there and was on my way home. It takes longer that way, but I wasn't in any hurry once I got out of Pennsylvania. "'Why did you pick out Florida to come to?' asked Don with interest. "'Oh, lots of reasons. If I was going to get in trouble for running away,' I figured I might as well see the country first. Then I knew I'd have to eat, and we studied about Florida at school. Coconuts growing wild, and all you have to do is pick them up off the ground and bust them open and eat them. And it's true, too, Mike made an awful face. But, oh, brother, am I sick of coconuts? They all laughed, and Jane asked, "'Goodness, Mike, how long have you been living on coconuts anyway?' "'Well, I don't know. Remember when I caught your cat? "'Well, that was the day I got here. "'I was just coming in to see if you wanted your lawn mowed, "'and I picked up the cat and came in with you. "'And boy, it was pretty confused in here. "'The manager was missing and Miss Giddings was talking "'and I couldn't get a word in edgewise to ask about the lawn, "'so I left. Remember that day?' "'I certainly do,' replied Mother with feeling.' Then what did you do? Well, I tried a few more places, then I came back and slept in your tool shed. I'd already noticed it. Next day I went all over looking for jobs, but there weren't any. So I came back to see about your lawn again, but there was a boy already mowing it. I guess you know the rest, he finished. Did you take the mysterious missing can of beans? asked Don, gritting. Yes, I did. Mike looked awfully upset. They'd just been sitting on the shelf and sitting on it, and I thought maybe you didn't like beans. I'd already hidden it in the tool shed when you missed it, and I couldn't figure out any way to put it back. Well, so I ate the beans, then I went to put the can in the big trash can, but it was empty, so I knew you'd see it first thing. So I buried it in somebody's trash basket early, but you found it anyway." But honest and truly, that's the only single thing I ever did take, and I felt perfectly awful about it. Mike looked desperately at Mother. Heavens, Mike, you were welcome to all the beans you could eat. But why in the world didn't you tell us all this before? Mike was silent for some time before he answered. Suddenly, Jane was aware of the storm again. The wind was still howling, but now the sound rose occasionally to a high-pitched shriek that hurt her ears. Something was slap-slapping against the building just outside, one of the palm trees probably. It sounded like whips cracking. Then the wind quieted for an instant, and she could just hear the long, mournful toot-toot of a train going through town. Goodness, what if you had to get off a train right in the middle of a hurricane? "'Well, I liked it here,' said Mike gruffly. "'Everybody was nice to me, and besides, I could see I could be a real help around the place. "'But if I said anything about how I ran away and all, "'well, I was scared that I would just get shipped back right away.' "'He looked sideways at Mother as he said this. "'Jane and Don looked at Mother too anxiously, but Mother was frowning down at her lap. "'Oh, Mother,' cried Jane accusingly, "'you wouldn't send him back to those awful people, would you? Would you, Mother?' This sort of thing is always more complicated than it seems to, children, said Mother slowly in a troubled voice. The people he was staying with must have notified the school, and if the school is responsible for him, they must have notified the police. You see, somebody has to be responsible for him until he's old enough to earn a living. Then we'll adopt him, and we can be responsible for him, cried Jane enthusiastically. How about that? "'Hot diggity!' shouted Don. "'That's the most sensible idea you ever had. "'How about it, Mother?' "'That's complicated, too,' said Mother seriously. "'There are all sorts of laws about it. "'For instance, if either of his parents is living.' "'Suddenly the door popped open "'and Miss Giddings simply flew into the room. "'Oh, dear, I do hate to bother you,' she gasped, wringing her hands. "'But please come quick.' One of my windows is broken, something blew against it, and water is simply pouring in. Mike and Don ran for the hammer, nails, and boards that they had brought in for just such an emergency. And that's not the worst of it, Miss Giddings went on distractedly. Poor Chico is so upset I can't get near him, and goodness knows what he'll do next. Wait, boys, wait, and I'll go with you. She trotted out and led Don and Mike into her apartment, Mother and Jane grabbed up Bragg's and followed. There was a small pane broken out of an upper sash, and wind and rain were whistling through, making a noisy, wet mess of the room. The boys set to work quickly, boarding up the broken windows, and Mother started mopping up the puddles on the rug. Above the noise of the storm and the boys hammering, Jane heard a shattering crash in Miss Giddings' kitchen. Another window, she thought, and ran into the kitchen but the window in there was undamaged. Then she saw a tiny dark figure huddled in the dish cupboard. Why? It was a little monkey, chattering and shivering. It held a saucer in its tiny black hands. Chico, cried Miss Giddings despairingly, put it down. Chico hurled the saucer onto the floor where it smashed into a dozen pieces. What in the world? exclaimed Mother, appearing in the doorway. Oh, dear, a storm always upsets him, moaned Miss Giddings. He was very restless even before the window broke, and then... No, no, Chico, please. But Chico, chattering wildly, tossed a cream pitcher after the saucer. Mike and Don crowded into the kitchen to see what was going on. Mother firmly herded everybody out of the room. Too many people, she said. No wonder the poor thing is upset. Oh, dear Mrs. Sanders, you are so understanding, cried Miss Giddings. I am so sorry you had to see Chico like this. He has never been in the least destructive, except the dishes, and they are my own, she added hastily, as there was another crash from the kitchen. You can ask your little girl about him, not this one, the very little one, with the curls. She was in here only this afternoon, and Chico loved her. He cuddled right down in her lap, and she played with him so sweetly. "'Did you really ask Betsy in?' blurted Jane. "'We thought, I mean. We've told her over and over again to keep out of people's apartments.' "'Yes, indeed. She was looking for her lost kitty. I cannot say that I am fond of cats ordinarily, but I couldn't help thinking how I would feel if my Chico were lost.' Yes, I asked her in and gave her a cookie, and Chico took to her immediately, although he is not at all used to strangers. I don't, as a rule, encourage visitors. Miss Giddings looked anxiously at Mother. The late Mr. McGregor was very firm about pets in the apartment. Very firm. So I have always thought it best to say nothing to anybody about Chico. Mother patted Miss Giddings on the shoulder. That's all right. As long as I keep the apartment, you are quite welcome to have Chico here. Oh, Mrs. Sanders, I cannot tell you what this means to me. Chico is all the family I have, and this apartment is all the home I have. I have been so worried for fear I would have to give up one or the other. Why, I can get a little leash and take him right out on the lawn with me. Miss Giddings was so grateful that it was almost embarrassing, and Jane was glad when the boys finished with the window and they could all leave. They made a tour of inspection before going back to number five. A good deal of water was being driven in under the boarded-up front door, so they mopped up and then stuffed rags into the crack under the door. Mrs. Pennypacker opened her door and complained that her ceiling was leaking. "'Put a pan under it,' suggested Mother." I already have, snapped Mrs. Pennypacker and slammed the door. Does she expect us to run right out and patch the roof? asked Don. The back door was on the side away from the wind, so they opened it cautiously and peered out. They could just see the electric and phone wires over their heads snap snapping crazily like jump ropes. One of them was giving off fizzy blue sparks. They could hear a loud banging noise above the other noises, which Don thought must be the door of the tool shed. He and Mike wanted to go out and investigate it, but Mother said they would do no such thing. Back in number five, Don took out his notebook and looked at it gloomily. "'Another good clue gone glimmering,' he said. "'Mr. Brundage is not sleeping on our awnings and swiping beans, and Miss Giddings is not a kleptomaniac. "'Doggone, I haven't got hardly any clues left.' "'What in the world are you talking about?' demanded Mother. "'Oh,' Just some things I jotted down, he mumbled. He turned on the radio and got a lot of crackling static and a voice saying, Report sustained winds of 85 miles an hour and gusts up to 125 miles an hour. Stay tuned to this station for the next weather ra-. The radio stopped dead. The lights flickered and went out. They all bumped into each other in the dark looking for the candles and getting them lighted. Suddenly, Jane yawned. Mike and Don started yawning and couldn't stop. They all protested that they weren't sleepy, not a bit, but Mother bundled them off to bed just the same. She sent Don and Mike across the hall to Number Six. Just take off your shoes and sleep in your clothes, she told them. If there's an emergency and I need you, I may need you in a hurry. Jane can sleep with Betsy, and I'll just lie down on the sofa here because this is where people will expect to find me if they need me. Jane too took off her only t- took off only her shoes and lay down next to Betsy in the bedroom. She could see Mother's candle glimmering in the next room, and she lay awake listening to the storm. Poor Victoria out in all this weather. Still, nobody took care of birds and squirrels in a hurricane, and they got along all right. At least Mike wasn't out in it, and that was the main thing. Maybe Mother could fix it somehow, so that he didn't have to go back to those awful people. Mother blew out her candle and Jane shoved Betsy over a little farther in the bed and closed her eyes.